Welcome to the Fire the Family podcast. Did you know the average American is behind on their retirement savings? Imagine if your family could learn to budget, save, and invest enough to become financially independent. I'm here to show you through my own experience exactly how you can get on the path to financial independence and reach retirement on or before the age of 65. From age 19 to 28, Kayla and I have been married for nine years, had three boys, and earned four degrees combined with no student loan debt, and have taken our household income from zero to over $130,000 a year. We both want to invite you to firethefamily.com, where we have free tools and resources that you can use to get started on your financial independence journey. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to episode 18 of the Fire the Family podcast. I'm Nick, and thank you so much for spending some more time with me here and making it through uh, to a new year. I look down at the date on my computer, and I see January 4th, 2020. I can't believe it's 2020. It seems like yesterday that I was going into basic training in 2010, and that was a whole decade ago. So much has happened, and I don't want this to be a decade in review. I like to kind of thread my own story and life experiences through some of the episodes in my blog posts. So not probably not going to give it to you all at once. Plus, that could get a little bit boring if that's not what you're after. Uh, but this last decade was crazy. I uh, had a lot of uh, changes, a lot of transitions, uh, moved from uh, being basically a community, community college student playing baseball uh, to joining the Air Force, to separating from the Air Force, to uh, joining the Air National Guard, going back to college, graduating college twice, and then getting a job in software, and get, well, obviously being married this whole time, having three kids during this time period. A lot of crazy stuff happened uh, going from 19 to 28. Uh, I'll be 29 in a couple months, so that's kind of exciting too. Today's been a great day. The sun's been out all day. It's super windy here, um, but uh, so windy that they had a sagebrush pile up. And I realized when I went to basic training that not everybody knows what sagebrush is. Basically, imagine just a big tumbleweed. Uh, I'm sure you can Google that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Covered an entire road and there was a Mazda, like a Mazda hatchback, uh, like a Mazda 3, and it was buried completely under sagebrush. It's just insane. Um, but that's what we get living in a desert. And uh, you can take the good with the bad. Our summers are super nice and, and hot. And winters, they get pretty cold, but it's always windy. Um, but today's been a good day other than that. Went to my nephew's birthday party. Uh, he just turned two. My sister always puts on a good uh, good birthday party for her kids. Uh, so that was fun. Um, after that, we got some belated Xmas gifts. Uh, we got some Christmas gifts from my aunt um, and from my parents. Uh, so being an adult, it's really strange when people ask you, like other adults ask you what you want for Christmas. And it's like, eh. You know, it's not, I feel weird about them buying me things and I have a budget and a, Kayla and I give each other allowances, um, each month. So we have money that we can just spend. We can spend it however we want. I can save it. I can spend it. I can flush it down the toilet and neither of us care. That's been a really freeing thing that we've done. And we set it up about a year ago. So we get a set amount of money each month. And so what, you know, I buy the things that I want and that I need throughout the year with that money. And so for me, it's difficult to to really determine what I need uh, because I don't feel like that I really need much. Uh, So it's more of a, what do I want? And then that, you know, and then I feel guilty about that. Uh, But what I ended up getting was pretty sweet and I'm really excited. I'm really thankful um, for my family and the gifts that they gave us. They spent way too much on us, but my aunt gave me a pair of AirPods, the AirPods too. And, you know, it's one of those things that obviously I'd love to have, you know, I go to the gym 
three or four days a week. Um, I run when the weather's nice. I go out and I run. I run a half, ran a half marathon last year. And the cord, I mean, it's kind of a first world problem, but I don't know if you've been at the gym before and your cord gets stuck on like the weight bars and it rips out of your ears or rips your phone out of your pocket. Little things like that. I like the wireless uh, ear, earbuds, but my problem is always keeping things charged. So the AirPods are kind of perfect because they're super easy to keep charged. It takes a lightning cable. I can just keep it in my car and, and keep it charged up. Um, so really excited about that. Really thankful for my aunt that she did that for me and uh, knowing that I wouldn't buy them for myself. So uh, wonderful gift. And I'm so, so thankful for it. Um, also, my parents, uh, they had gotten me a garage heater that I'd asked for. Um, but then they got me the 220 volt and not the 110 volt uh, version of it because the 110 was sold out and um, just wasn't labeled on the box or something. Um, but what I realized was that that obviously wasn't going to be enough to heat up my uninsulated garage. So I elected to return it and get a DeWalt miter saw instead. So pretty excited about that. Got some household projects. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you may have seen the, the recent pallet wood project that I just did. Uh, I'm building a garden box for our backyard, another one. We built one last year and then a, a small a, you know, rectangular trough-like planter for our front yard. So got some projects to do. We're going to redo the trim in the house this year and I think we're going to redo the floor. Um, this episode isn't about what I got for Christmas, by the way. I just thought I'd share a little bit of my personal uh, life with you. Um, so this episode is actually going to be all about the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, Admiral Shares, VTSAX. That's the acronym. That's the stock ticker symbol uh, for the index fund. And I'm going to share with you what it is, why it's the most popular index fund in the whole world, um, a little bit about Vanguard and some details about the index fund and kind of why it's the, so popular among people that are interested in financial independence. Um, I think that first and foremost, I think that if you are brand new to investing, if you have no idea what you're doing, or if you're a seasoned veteran that just wants a low fee exposure to the entire stock market, that's VTSAX. It's like that it does, it, it fits every bag there. So uh, checks every box. So that's probably why, number one, that it's so popular. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, I already told you what it, what it stands for. Uh, Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund Admiral Shares. That's a mouthful. Um, so we're going to unpack that and talk about uh, Vanguard. Let's start off with Vanguard. What is Vanguard? Vanguard is the one of the largest providers of exchange-traded funds and index funds, mutual funds in the world. And Vanguard has developed a product or a whole host of products for pretty much every investing need that's out there. And so you have the choice between an index fund or an ETF, an exchange-traded fund. An exchange-traded fund is basically the equivalent, especially with VTSAX, it has a ETF equivalent called VTI, and VTI is essentially the same as VTSAX. Um, they track the same the same index and offer the same returns down to like the decimal point. So they're very similar. Uh, but the difference, main difference between an index fund and an ETF is that um, an in index fund is bought and sold at the end of the day uh, after market hours at a fair price. And that's kind of how the market is made on those. So if you put a buy order in for VTSAX at one o'clock or let's say nine o'clock in the morning, it's not going to, it's not going to complete and go through until the end of the day. Uh, if you do the same thing with VTI, you can buy and sell it intraday during the trading period, um, during the, uh, market hours. And it will, you're buying it for the price of a single share. 
So that's usually the big, the big number one difference. Typically, there is some tax advantage differences, and I don't want to get into taxes here because I'm not a tax pro. So consult with your tax professional. Find some stuff on the internet. There's a bunch of threads about the tax advantages of VTSAX versus VTI, um, and you know which one's best for which. But honestly, like that's not going to keep you from being a millionaire or retiring early or reaching financial independence at some point in your life. So don't worry too much about the decimal points. Uh, when you get down to the nitty gritty, the expense ratios, the things that uh, the fees and stuff that we're going to talk about, uh, don't get too crazy and bend out of shape about those. Number one is that you're budgeting. Number two is that you're, uh, you have an emergency fund to protect your assets and keep you from going into credit card debt. Number three is that you increase your savings rate. You work to increase your income and decrease your expenses, which increases the percent of income you're able to save and invest each month and then invest that money, actually put it to work. Don't just sit on cash, put that into what I would, I think is the total stock market is probably the best bet for the average person to just check all the boxes uh, that, that you can and, and get a average return. I just talk, I just said a whole bunch of things right there. Hopefully you're tracking. We're going to kind of go through it again um, slowly, um, but let's start with what an index fund is. Uh, so according to Investopedia, which is like when I was younger was my go-to. That's how I learned pretty much the basics of everything. Investopedia is awesome. According to them, an index fund is a type of mutual fund with a portfolio constructed to match or track the components of a financial market index. So for example, uh, VTSAX tracks the CRSP US total market index, and that consists of over 3,500 individual stocks or companies uh, that you will have exposure to by investing in VTSAX. It owns the total stock market. Index funds are different from individual stocks in that they aren't bought and sold during market hours. And we talked about that a little bit. That means index funds are bought and sold at market close after market hours for a fair price. Uh, They aren't as liquid as regular stocks and definitely not as risky as buying individual stocks. Vanguard who was founded by the late and great John or Jack Bogle, his nickname was Jack and one of the most popular investing books of all time, uh, The Boglehead's Guide to Investing. And he has like all these theories on, you know, portfolios and things. But at the end of the day, um, I have some quotes here that I always always like and are really handy. Um, But he was the one that basically said, don't try to find the needle in the haystack, just buy the whole haystack. And that's really what you're doing with buying a total stock market fund. You're not just trying to pick winners and losers. You're trying to you know, you're not trying to uh, beat the beat the system. You're just joining the system. You're just buying the entire stock market. And it, we know that history tells us over time, the stock market goes up. And while we're going to have recessions, we're going to have market declines, we're going to have bear markets, uh, we're going to have bull markets, you're going to have good and the bad. But over time, history tends to uh, go up with the stock market. So who are index funds for? Uh, index funds are considered core holdings for most people saving for retirement in their 401ks or IRAs, individual retirement accounts. Um, There's a bunch of different types of retirement accounts out there, and the majority of them allow you to buy total stock market funds like VTSAX. Um, Really, the beauty of an index fund is just in the simplicity of it. Uh, They allow individual investors diversification, exposure, uh, to multiple companies that you wouldn't otherwise be able to you know, buy very many shares of individually and lessen investment risk compared to individual stock picking. 
so those things are really great. And that's, that's the main reason why index funds are so great. And the thing about index funds is that there's an index fund for everything. Even now there's uh, an index fund for uh, social responsible investing. There's a whole thread of people that want to invest in, uh, in funds that buy company or that own com- shares of companies that um, are socially responsible. You know, maybe they're into recycling or a low, low net carbon output or something like that. Um, you can buy funds that are, are like that. And they're, the funds are going to, you know, have their own returns. Maybe some man, maybe they're managed funds. They pay somebody to manage them. And usually that comes with a higher expense ratio. Uh, VTSAX, uh, let's just dig deep into uh, the to- Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. VTSAX provides simple to understand, low fee diversification to the entire United States stock market. I'm going to keep saying that because that's the most, that's the point here, right? That's the whole point of, of investing in something like VTSAX is to, to get instant diversification. So imagine if you were going to diversify your own portfolio, what it would take for you to buy, you know, a hundred different share, shares of a hundred different companies. Okay. So you have Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, um, the, the most common stocks like in the, the most common companies in these big index funds, it would take you a lot of money and a lot of time to be able to get enough of these companies to really be diversified. And you're talking like some of these stocks are $200,000, $500,000 a share. Average investors can't do that. They can't buy shares of all these companies to be so diversified um, and really own very much of those companies. So well, that's where index funds come in. Uh, for under $100 a share, you can buy something like VTSAX, and they give you access to over 3,600 individually publicly traded companies with total net net assets of over $874 billion. That's diversification, okay? And you can buy that for less than $100 a share. And what that does for you is that just it just gives you access to all of that and the total return. Okay. It's not sexy. It's not fun. It's not going to go up and down quickly every day. Um, it'll largely, the total stock market largely is true. I mean, you can look at the S and P 500 and have a good idea how the total stock market is doing. Um, and so that's kind of how you can check. You don't have to always get into your retirement accounts and see how performance is going. You can just Google S and P 500 or to, you know, total stock market and look at the chart and you'll have a good idea of how things are going. Um, let's see. Here's another quote for you. Let's do another quote. Investing is not nearly as difficult as it looks. Successful investing involves doing a few things right and avoiding serious mistakes. That's John Bogle right there. And that is a great point. So it's not investing isn't doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be super expensive. Um, you don't have to be a an expert to invest and get a return and retire someday. It's, to be successful, it's just doing those basic things. I, we're going to point back to the post, the blog post, the page on my website, and the most one of the most recent episodes, podcast episodes that I've done. Um, and it's the best method for achieving financial independence. And that's B-E-S-T, budget, emergency fund, savings rate, total stock market. If you can do those things well, or just do them and be consistent and be patient, you will have a great financial future. And the, the math rings true and it just, it works out. Um, and it, it, I know that we've been in a long bull market. We've been in a great uh, investing you know, time for the last decade or more. These things, you know, we go through these cyclical events. The market goes up and the market goes down. We're probably overdue for another correction or recession. 
Don't know when that's coming. It could be tomorrow. It could be three years from now. We don't know. Uh, But we're in it for the long haul. I have a really long investing horizon from the age of mid-20s up into whenever it takes me to have enough money to be able to actually retire. Maybe that's 65. Uh, Maybe I reach that point at 45. That would be awesome. Not that I want to quit the workforce, but that would be nice to have that, you know, oh, we have enough to retire. Great. Now we can do whatever we want for the next 15 years. Um, That's kind of a cool feeling probably. Another reason for VTSAX is that it's a low fee index fund. The expense ratio is just 0.04%. That's compared to actively managed mutual funds that exceed 1% or more. If you listen to Dave Ramsey, he's going to talk about typically front-loaded mutual funds that are actively managed. And these things are like 1% to 2% expense ratios, sometimes more. And then depending on what broker you use, you might have other annual fees. And it just gets out of hand, especially if you're using a financial planner. Um, they like, they have their own fees as well. And so you're going to pay a fee for like a financial planner. Then you're going to pay a fee for an actively managed mutual fund. Before you know it, they're eating into two, two to three, maybe percent of your returns. And if you're going to average returns of seven or 8%, uh, that stinks, right? Um, so Dave Ramsey talks about like his mutual funds that he invests in and how they consistently beat the market. Like that's great. Um, they probably do. They're probably earning him nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, maybe probably not above 13% a year, but he's also, if he's actually investing in the funds that he talks about, uh, they're really expensive funds. And no, you're not going to like, you know, the few percentage points isn't going to make a huge difference at the end of the day uh, because your biggest enemy is yourself and consistency and actually saving the money, putting the budget in place, you know, doing all those things. Right. So well, you know, his advice isn't terrible. It's not as easy or as passive as it could be. If you just put your money in VTSAX or a like index fund, I don't just own VTSAX. So I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. I do own this uh, index fund, but I also own VNQ, which is a uh, the Vanguard real estate investment fund. I also own um, a couple other index funds as well, like the Vanguard growth, Vanguard uh, small cap growth, and maybe a couple others. Um, so I, you know, I've kind of got a different couple different things going on, but um, I'm not saying put all your eggs in one basket, obviously. And I don't think that something like VTSAX is doing that. I don't think it's putting all your eggs in one basket at all. Um, it's putting them in a pretty large basket, but uh, you should probably have access to the, you know, or exposure to some other stuff as well. Um, what are expense ratios though? Expense ratios are basically the fees that are assessed to your, your, um, portfolio that, uh, for, for them to be ran, right. To, to be, it's kind of like there's the fee to, to ride the ride. So you're riding the roller coaster of VTSAX up and down, uh, good or bad. And you have to pay for that. And to the fee for that is 0.04% of your holdings. And that, uh, comes out. And so, if you're paying, you know, you can see if you had $100,000 in there and you're paying uh, 1%, now that's a, that's an awful lot of money uh, to manage that and to keep that going. So the lower the expense ratio, obviously, the better off you are. And 0.04% is probably about as low as I've ever seen. Maybe you can go a little bit lower than that, but at that point, it's just, it just doesn't really make a huge difference. VTSAX is passive. It's about as passive as it gets. If you allocate money out of your paycheck to your retirement account and purchase an index fund like VTSAX, you are on pretty much on autopilot, right? So you like, for example, my employer employee sponsored 401k, my paycheck hits 
few days later, they take that money finally goes to the brokerage account. Um, I believe that they use a um, branded portal of Schwab. I think I think my stuff's through Schwab, if I remember correctly. And then um, and then my personal is through um, through Schwab, and so my my personal Roth IRA. And so this money goes out automatically, goes into this account, and then I it automatically gets you know allocated out how I how I tell it to. I have it set up for like seventy five percent VTSAX, twenty five percent this, twenty five percent that, and then or whatever the allocations are, and then it automatically goes into those, right? So it's super autopilot. All I have to do is show up to work every day, do a good job, not get fired. And I'm adding to that. And like, that's a super autopilot. And that's just so easy. And that money's taken out before it even hits my bank account. And that's super powerful because you're budgeting, like we're budgeting off of our, the money that actually, you know, our, our net that actually comes into our bank account. And so when I have a savings rate on my budget of like 20%, I know that, you know, right now I'm, 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 in, I'm putting 4% with my company match in my 401k. And so then I have this huge, like, you know, a lot more savings than I actually think I have. And my wife's putting a set percent in her own, uh, 457B account through her, her, um, school district. And so while like, oh man, 20% isn't quite what we want for savings rate. It's in reality, it's higher than that. And you can do a lot of planning and stuff that way, but you know that your core is taken care of. You're already putting that super important money away before you have a chance to spend it or, you know, use it on things that aren't building assets for you. VTSAX is affordable. Like I talked about earlier, for less than $100 per share, VTSAX provides you exposure to the total United States stock market. Especially for new investors buying shares of Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Alphabet, the FANG, F-A-A-N-G stocks, um, those are, that's pretty common terminology, is really far out of reach and it's just not going to happen at the same, at the same level. Uh, so it's super nice to be able to just buy something that holds all those companies, which a ton of index funds do. Um, VTSAX is just the most common um, and the largest of all of them. So let's do another quote here. It's amazing how difficult it is for a man to understand something if he's paid a small fortune not to understand it. Eh, I don't know. I'm not even going to commentate on this. I have some ideas, um, but it's completely off the cuff and I don't want to, I don't want to butcher that too bad. Uh, VTSAX is time tested. Okay. So Dave Ramsey always talks about what, like a 15 or 20 year history or minimum of 10 year history uh, before you invest in something and look at that history and it's got to have, you know, um, a history of, of returns and those returns need to be basically what you're expecting. So if you were going to buy an index fund and it has a 20-year history, and the average return over those 20 years has been 4%. You can reasonably expect that it's going to earn you on average of 4% over the long term, right? So what his what he laughs about and jokes about on his show is that people tell him he can't beat the market. Well, he finds mutual funds that earn 10% on average over 30 years, and he buys those, right? And so not every year they're going to return 10%, but on average they do, which would be a few percentage points higher than the total stock market. So um, with that being said, you look at the history and you're investing in the fact that you hope the history is going to repeat itself, right? So if you look at the growth of $10,000, if you were to buy $10,000 with a VTSAX in 2009, uh, you would probably have about 35000 today. And that's that's kind of what you're buying into, right? Is that the hope that that's going to continue? And VTSAX was created on April 26th, 1992. Actually, so hold on. Uh, VTSAX. SMX is the investor shares of VTSAX. You can't buy those anymore. It's closed. They don't allow new investors in there anymore. And that was created on April 26th, 1992. VTSMX has returned an average annual return of 9.74%. 
Um, like I said, it's currently closed to new investors. So now the Admiral shares are available, VTSAX. That was created November 13th, 2000, and I've returned an average annual return of 6.87% since that time period, okay? And that being said, that was created just during, or I don't know my dates, uh, right around the dot-com uh, recession, and then obviously went through the 2009 recession. And so I just don't think that VTSAX has had enough time to uh, do its thing. Um, definitely not, you know, didn't go through the same boom that VTSMX has gone through and have enough time to really weather those and, and be counteracted by the, the up markets. So, uh, you can look at the one year, three or five year, 10 year VTSAX and make your own investing decisions on that. Um, there are some drawbacks if you're going to invest in something like VTSAX. I know, I don't know if you get tired of hearing that acronym over and over and over again, but it's all bet It's a lot easier than that mouthful of the whole, the whole name of it. But let's just drop another quote here. If you have trouble imagining a 20% loss in the stock market, you shouldn't be in stocks. It blows my mind. And I didn't, I never understood this is when people panic during something like a recession and say that they lost all this money. Yeah. I mean, if, unless you sell your shares of your holdings of your portfolio, then you haven't lost anything. That's why they call it an unrealized gain or unrealized loss. You don't realize the gain or loss until you sell it. Recessions last on average like 18 months, right? So sometimes less than that. So if you're in a recession, we've come out of every recession and typically gone into a bull market. So why would you sell during the recession? Don't do it. Don't do it. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why people do that. They panic and they're, they cash out their 401k and go buy gold or something. Like, don't do it. Just sit and weather the storm. And what you should be doing from my own perspective, and if you just look back on history, you should be investing more. You should be expanding into the market contraction rather than contracting with the market. The people that contract with the market and are afraid and sell and you know just panic and freak out, are the ones that are going to lose. The ones that are going to win are the ones that can expand into the market. And I understand people lose their jobs during recessions. It's not easy. Um, that's probably the biggest down, the biggest problem of recessions is that people lose their jobs. There's a lot of suffering during recessions. So you should be working towards, you know, making sure that you have things like a long, long-term long emergency fund in place. You should be working to have a more secure job. Um, if you're not extremely hireable, that's your fault. That's nobody else's fault but your own that you didn't maybe get a degree or certifications or things that would set you apart and have your, your resume ready all the time and updated. And you should be ready to go out and get a new job, whether or not it's just an opportunity that you know, that you're going to jump on because it might increase your income or your, you know, your, your, um, your enjoyment of your job. Um, but you should be ready because tomorrow we could say, Hey, the market, the news could say, Hey, we're officially in a recession. And then maybe you lose your job three months later. That sucks, but you should be ready to go get another job. So it's, it's kind of your on you. The onus is on you to be prepared for that. We know that a recession is coming. They always happen cyclically they happen maybe not to the day or the year that we think they're going to happen but they're going to happen something you've got to be ready for so that's kind of a soapbox rant of mine but one of the reasons why people sell in a recession is because they need the money because they lose their job they need money they, they're going to lose their house whatever uh, and they cash out the 401ks and they use spend that money um, and then the stocks recover and then they start investing again and now they're buying stocks at a higher price point again and so you're buying low 
and selling or selling low and buying high. That is the opposite of what you need to do. So while the market is good, while things are going great, don't go and spend all of your money on things that you don't need and getting into a, a, a ton of debt when you should be putting a moat around your assets by having an emergency fund. So by putting an emergency fund in place, you're protecting your assets. And if you lose your job, you have some cash to write on until you get another job. So you don't have to dip into things like your 401k. Don't do it. It's going to set you back by years and maybe decades. Uh, so do whatever you can to set yourself up for success and be prepared for a market downturn. Okay, not to, you know, be fear mongering or anything, but it's just it's common sense. We have to know that these things are going to happen. With that being said, VTSAX has a market risk. Anytime you're investing, there's market risk, okay? So it's also called systematic risk. It's defined as the potential for investment losses due to factors affecting the overall financial market that the investors invested in. So there's a market in gold, there's a market in equities and stocks, there's a market in bonds, right? So there's risk, inherent risk with all these things. Anytime you're investing money, there's always a risk. Um, so the, the investor cannot diversify against this. You can't diversify against market risk because there's always market risk, but you can invest in different markets that may be inversely co correlated. So think gold versus stocks. That's the common one, right? So people, when they think that the market's going to start going flat or into a downturn, they start buying things like gold. And so typically it's inversely correlated. There's a lot of arguments around that, if that's actually true or not. And um, the, the gold market's really interesting and it's something that I'm trying to learn more about. And I just am super fascinated by it. Um, I'm not going to commentate on it today. Day, um, but that's a common thought is that um, a lot of people go into gold as a safe haven when stocks aren't doing so well. But you have to know that you're buying a roller coaster. It's going to go up, it's going to go down, but over time, probably goes up. So that is the idea. So if you're, you know, 20, if you find, if you wake up tomorrow and there's a 20% loss in the stock market and you have, you have money to invest, invest it. Don't wait to try to time the bottom, invest all the way down, invest all the way back up, and you're going to be sitting pretty great. So the next one, VTSAX has a minimum investment. So it used to be $10,000. You couldn't invest in VTSAX unless you had at least $10,000 sitting there at once for your primary initial investment. That was kind of the gatekeeper to keep people out. Um, they've lowered it since to $3,000. This means that your first time initial purchase must be at least $3,000. Once you've made that initial investment, you can then invest in smaller increments, um, you know, $100 at a time, $50 at a time, whatever it is that you want to invest in. Um, but you got to hit that $3,000 limit. And if you can't do that, then a lot of people will do like the ETF version we talked about at the beginning of the show, um, the exchange traded fund VTI. And there's no, the fee for that is simply just the price of one share. So if VTI is priced at like 98 bucks, then it would cost you $98, right? As your minimum initial investment for VTI. So some people will do VTI until they get enough to uh, swap over and, and have that $3,000 minimum and they'll sell VTI by VTSAX and incur some tax things that happen there. Um, but then they're into VTSAX. So essentially you're investing in the total stock, mar stock market the whole time, um, but you're just switching which vehicle that you're doing that with, or you can just stay in VTI. It's up to you. Um, getting into some investment details with VTSAX, it's considered a large blend stock style, uh, according to the Vanguard website, kind of going into the market cap and the style of 
of um, stocks that it owns. So there's value, blend, growth. Blend is simply a blend of value and growth. And then there's small cap, medium cap, large cap. If you don't know what that is, it's very simple. Small cap is your smaller companies, typically um, under a certain threshold uh, for how much the total value of the company is. So let's say company X is valued at you know $20 million. They're a small cap, maybe even a micro cap. Uh, medium cap, let's say it's like $200. I don't know if I'm off the top of my head. Large caps, like let's say a billion, right? Typically, VTSAX invests in companies that are a blend of value and growth and are large cap stocks. So they're very valuable. So as of 11.30, as of November 30th, 2019, VTSAX's largest holdings, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook, Berkshire Hathaway, JP Morgan Chase, Johnson & Johnson, Visa, and Procter & Gamble. Those top 10 holdings make up 19.6% of the total index fund. So just those 10 holdings alone are almost 20% of the total investment of VTSAX. Um, so those are the main drivers of the index fund. Um, while, like I said, it still owns over 3,600 other stocks, it owns a very small portion of those compared to these top 10. The largest sectors of VTSAX are technology, financials, consumer services, industrials, and healthcare, with the most weight being technology and financials. Um, so that's like, um, you, I mean, I just read the companies off to you. You've got credit card companies, you've got tech, tech companies, you've got holding companies like Berkshire Hathaway, uh, medical companies, Johnson Johnson. Yeah, so that's kind of how that works. Dividends and distribution. So VTSAX has a dividend yield of 1.7%. And the last quarterly distribution was recorded on December 20th, 2019 for 42 cents a share. Almost 43. If you round up, it's 43 cents per share. So that means that each quarter, they're going to give you 43 cents per share of uh, VTSX that you own. So there's a chart out there. We'll show you all their historic dividend payments and what the next one, uh, what the next yield will be. But that's VTSX. It's a great way to get started. And honestly, if I were to teach somebody today, starting fresh, how to invest, I would say, open a brokerage account with Vanguard, uh, Fidelity, uh, Charles Schwab, any of the big ones, not Acorns, not uh, Fly By Night app. It's going to have these crazy fees and not tell you what they're investing in uh, open a traditional brokerage account. It might take you 24 hours to get it open, prove your identity and all that stuff, um, but it's worth it. And then find something like VTSAX. The first stock I ever bought was SWTSX. It was the Schwab total stock market index fund. And it was like 19 bucks or uh, well, I don't know, 20, 20 something dollars when I first bought it. And that's one of my biggest mistakes. I put 500 bucks on it uh, when I first bought it and it just wasn't doing anything and I didn't understand. I was 20 years old. Like, what is this? This isn't what I want to do. And so then I ended up selling it and buying a bunch of penny stocks or something. And obviously I have regret, you know, a long time ago if I would just kept pumping money into SWTSX. Uh, I think there's some weird, weird tax things that happen with that one. Um, but I would be well off right now, a decade later. So don't make that same mistake. Buy the simple, buy the boring and invest in something that doesn't move nearly as volatile with as much volatility as individual stocks. You are not going to be the next, most likely you're not going to be the next great stock picker. You're not going to be the next Warren Buffett statistically. And day trading is a job and career in, a, in and of itself. And I know some people that do that and do very well for themselves. Um, the other thing you think about is tax liabilities. If you're buying and selling stocks intraday in the same day, you're going to have capital gains tax, which is like 35%. You're going to have income tax. You're going to have like all this crazy stuff that happens. Um, so that's stuff to, all stuff to think about, right? Like I enjoy the passive nature of index fund investing and what it can do for my future. And I reserve a little bit of what I invest kind of passive, you know, some very, very small percentage of what I invest uh, for kind of that fun, you know, 
buy a little Twitter there, buy a little, you know, uh, Tesla here, like that kind of stuff too. And so you, it's a blend of what works well for you. It's just like exercising or dieting. you got to find the exercises that you enjoy doing. Not everybody wants to lift weights. Not everybody wants to run, but finding something, maybe rowing, maybe hiking, uh, maybe weightlifting that works well for you and that you'll stick to. Maybe it's yoga um, and finding what you'll stick to and you'll be consistent with and you can learn about is something that I think that you should probably do. And VTSAX, if you were to just open a brokerage account today, buy something like VTSAX, like one share of it, just to get your feet wet, just to kind of learn about what's going on, read the prospectus, read the charts, read the financial information that you have and uh, learn about it and get out there. And like, that's what this is all about. One of the most fascinating things of all time, in my opinion, is the stock market. I've always just thought it was the coolest thing, Um, similar to outer space, right? Like I see people walking around all day long. Nobody talks about it. We're like floating around in the middle of nothing and this black space and there's crazy stuff all around us, like, you know, obviously light years away, but you can get a telescope and you can look at these deep space objects. And that's like a secret closet uh, fascination I have. It's just amazing. It's like, and nobody cares. Nobody seems to be excited about it. It's just another day. Well, I feel the same way about the stock market. It's just fascinating to me, the whole thing Um, from the stock tickers to the charts, to just the whole gamut, the people on the floor yelling and clapping um, and the bells ringing. Like, I just think it's a really interesting thing. And nobody seems to care. You know, I can't tell you how many people at my job that I've kind of helped, you know, log into their 401k account, you know, simple things. And it's just like, nobody cares. And it's like, this is your future. This is your financial future. You know, people want to talk about the next car that they're going to go buy or whatever. And they're so excited. They do all this research, but they don't care to do the research that's going to, you know, make them a lot of money over their lifetime. Uh, so I'm kind of closing this episode with a, with a bit of a rant here, but, um, Ah, man, it just blows my mind. So the last thing I'm going to talk about is what platforms I'm on social media wise. So I'm on Twitter, fairly regular there at fire. The family is the handle. Um, I'm on Pinterest, uh, post every blog post to Pinterest several times. So if you're not following me there and you have a Pinterest account and you want to help the channel out, that's pretty sweet. You can go there. Um, I'm on Instagram. My handle on Instagram is the dot Nick dot French. Uh, my first and last name. And I have, I don't post like, I don't post stuff regarding to the website on there um, or anything fire the family type on my Instagram. And that's because my family and friends, well, my close friends, my two close friends know, my wife knows, my kids know, my, my extended family, my coworkers largely don't know about what I'm doing. And that's not to keep it a secret, really. It's one of those things where uh, they'll find out. I'm just not, I don't want to go around. It's financial stuff's really interesting, right? So I don't like sharing finances with family or friends. Um, and a lot of the website isn't tooting my own horn or isn't talking about my personal finances. And I intend to kind of keep it that way. Um, but it puts people off, right? So if, you know, I don't know the whole, the whole thing happened when I had a YouTube channel, I had like 3 million views and like 8,000 subscribers. And it was on video gaming was a channel and, uh, my coworkers found out about it. I don't remember how, and then it just became this whole embarrassing thing where they were just like watching it while we're supposed to be working and I hated it. So I deleted the channel actually. And that's kind of crazy and took some time off um, before coming back. And I, I know I have a skill set when it comes to SEO, search engine optimization and building communities on the internet. I've done it several times over my life and it's something I really enjoy. I get a lot of satisfaction out of um, working with all of you and, and, and educating and um, providing value to the community that I'm a part of. And so I had to come back to it. And this is how I decided to come back. Um, But until it's at a point where it's like, I'm super proud of what I've created, I'm kind of keeping it on the DL. 
And while I'm super proud of where we're at and how things are going, we actually had our first thousand view month, page view month on the website here recently. And um, I've only been putting content on it for like four months. So I'm pretty excited about that. Things are growing really fast and it's kind of getting, getting, going to get out of hand here in a little bit. So that's exciting. So why don't I post on YouTube or LinkedIn? I'd like to say I don't have time, but I hate that excuse. Um, really, the, the truth is that I don't have a process or workflow down yet to produce content at that scale. Um, so ideally, I would be writing a blog post, using a Pinterest image as the post image, sharing the post to Pinterest, doing a podcast using the blog post as talking points, filming the podcast episode, cutting it up, editing it, uploading it to YouTube, and then promoting it out to the channels. And I'm just not there yet. You know, I've been just pumping content out. I've made over 70 blog posts in the last four, four or five months on the website. Um, I'm trying to get these podcast episodes up and going. And for me, this is kind of the tip of my bandwidth without taking time away from my family. And so if I could find a way to do all that and not take time, additional time away from them um, down the weekends and evenings, then I would do it. So we're just not quite there yet. Um, so I'm just going, adding one thing at a time. Um, but I want to say thank you so much for your support. I can't do it without you. Uh, if you want to rate this podcast, uh, you know, that'd be great. If you want to subscribe, that'd be even better. Uh, if you want to come to the website, that would be the best. Uh, stick around, leave some comments, maybe subscribe to the newsletter um, for some bonus content and learning a little bit more about me and my family. Um, but again, I hope you had a wonderful New Year's uh, Eve. Um, we're into the 2020. Uh, check out the website, bunch of resources, grab my 2020 fire goals worksheet and do that with your you or your significant other and um, get off to a great start this 2020. So again, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I will catch up with you guys next week.